call this meeting to order. Uh, we'll start with the prayer and the pledge before we do those. I've been asked to uh, ask everyone to silence their cell phones, if you don't mind. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us together to do your will with regard to the city. Help us to see truth and act upon it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Roll call, please. Mr. Powell? Here. Mr. Bronner? Here. Mr. Bishop? Here. Mr. Boehner? Here. Mr. Tommen? Here. Mrs. Kroger? Here. Mrs. Edichico? Here. All right, we have seven present. So we have a quorum for business and a quorum for legislation. So next up is approval of minutes. Does, has everybody received a copy of the minutes in time to read them? Let's start there. Because if you haven't, if not enough have, we don't want to do it. We can wait till next week. But if you've got them and you've read them and you're okay with them, then, then we can move on with that step. Is everybody good there? It was a pretty straightforward meeting last yeah. okay. couple weeks ago. I make a motion that we approve the minutes as written. Second. Second. Ooh, is that you? Okay. We have a motion by Mr. Powell and a second by Mrs. Kroger to approve the meeting minutes from March 21st as written. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? All right, motion carries. Audience asking participation is next up. So I see two people here who wish to participate. So there's a big paragraph I'm supposed to read. Basically it boils down to this. State your name, address, you get five minutes. And speak into that microphone and you can adjust it for whatever height or distance you need. My name is Paul Kennedy. I live at 9446 Waxwing Drive, Thanks for the opportunity to come and speak to an issue that has just cropped up on our street. It's really like a, a dead end street with a barrier because Waxwing runs um, all the way from Cooper Road down to Hunt Road. And some years ago, um, gosh, mid 60s, I'm reliably informed that uh, the neighborhood down there was a Cherrywood. Cherry Field. Cherry Field. Um, requested that a barrier be put in place because of all the uh, um, children on the street. And, you know, it's, a, it's basically a walking neighborhood that should be used for free traffic. Um, I've lived at on Waxwing Drive for 31 and a half years and the only other time in my memory that it was the barrier was open was other work over on Hunt Road and it was only open for like three or four days. We got no notice. I had to call the mayor of Blue Edge, Walt Ruger, to say what's going on and he said I'll find out and then we had more of a presence of police and they also put stop signs in because people were racing up and down the street and we had a lot of little kids, including my own, um, on the street at that time. Fast forward to March 29th, March 27th is when the uh, landslide situation on Hunt Road was going to be addressed. Um, so they closed Hunt Road uh, to the west of Fox Run. So you, there was no through traffic then to get up Hunt Road anymore. So we received a letter from a Will Davis, who was an employee of the city of Blue Ash, saying um, they were gonna open the barrier again. And it was decided 
my understanding that two fire chiefs, fire chief of Redding and the fire chief of Blueish, decided to open it in the best interest of the neighborhood. Um, nobody in Blueish, I can only speak on the Blueish side, was invited to a public meeting or asked their opinion as to whether they wanted that barrier open or not. So it just happened. Um, so construction started on the 27th, unadvertised opening of the barrier on the 29th. And I usually don't you know, sit and look out the front window, but on the 29th, I decided to just to see how long it would take. I don't know exactly what time of day it was, the barrier was open, but traffic instantly increased. And I was sitting there, and I didn't do a formal you know, ticker count, but I was probably there half an hour and 30 cars. I mean, with unadvertised. So that was a, a decent amount of traffic because there's only 12 driveways on my little stub of the dead end street there. Um, so that's quite a bit of traffic. Below me, there's only six driveways. Um, as far as a formal count, um, I actually did one today, you know, late morning, um, 10.50 a.m. to 11.50 a.m., 59 cars. One of my neighbors, um, Scott Garten, who lives, I don't know the, the exact address. Oh, hey, Scott, how's he going? I'm, I might be stealing some of your thunder here, but anyway. You I'm got two minutes to do it. <laughs> okay. Um, he lives at the bottom on the right-hand side, closest to the barrier. And he, uh, yesterday, between the hours of 4.30 p.m. and 5.30 p.m., counted 127 vehicles. That's way too much traffic for our little street. And the reason I say that is just on our section, when I say 12 driveways, there's 17 kids under the age of 17. They go from 17 down to toddlers, one year old, you know, one year old, one and a half years old. Um, 13 kids live within the first three driveways on either side of the barrier. The ones most at risk, the ones who play out in the yard, who kick balls in the street, who chase the dogs. Um, when the permanent barrier was replaced, there used to be a permanent barrier there, now it's a gate that can open and close. Um, it was explained um, that only safety and emergency personnel were going to have the keys to be able to open that barrier so emergency vehicles could go through. Um, while I, when I am noticing, I haven't noticed one emergency vehicle go through the gate. It's all been casual traffic, cars, trucks, school buses even, Sycamore School Bus went barreling down the street. Um, this, um, so that, yeah, this is convenience traffic, not emergency traffic. And I, and I have a big problem with that. And I would make a formal request right now that that barrier be closed because the longer is it op it's open, two months is a very long time, and that really opens up the window for something nasty to happen. By nasty, I mean a kid getting hit by a car, a dog getting hit by a car, traffic wrecks. You know, 30, 30 years ago, 31 years ago, 29 years ago, whenever it was, um, it was only open for like three or four days. We didn't encounter anything. And we also had a much bigger presence of police cars on both sides of the barrier, Reddy and Blue Edge. I have, not, I have not been impressed by the amount of patrolling done by the Blue Ash police to help regulate the traffic there. There's no radar signs up. The, the, you know, the radar thing when you pass it tells you how fast you're going. Um, hey, just hey, to stop you. You've hit your five-minute limit. However, 
you want to make a motion? I've, I've got some information for you. Well, hold on. It, do you, I'll make a motion, give him a couple more minutes. Okay, right. that's fine. Yeah. That, that's what I was looking for. I think he's got a little bit more to go. Okay. And what, what I don't know is who makes the decision. Well, hold on. we we got to take a voice vote. I'm going to need a second okay. and a voice vote. So <clears throat> we have a second on that? Yeah, I second the motion. Okay. We have a motion by uh, Mr. Thomas, second by Mr. Boehner to extend the time. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Aye. All right. I uh, reset the clock for five more. Uh, thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. What I don't know is who makes the final decision. Is it, you know, there's you know, safety personnel in both Redding and Blueish, but I don't know how the final decision is made to open that barrier. I would think that, you know, public comment would be appropriate. Councils where people, you know, like me can approach whatever council on either side of the barrier to address concerns. We basically were informed that this was the decision, and I don't know who made the decision or how I, as a citizen of Lewish, can impact future decisions on that so that there's a better process so that the polling of people who live in the neighborhoods can actually weigh in to see if it makes sense or not. Very good. Um, Mr. Banner, go ahead. I could, I could tell you, uh, I live uh, one neighborhood west of that. Um, Blue Ash controls that gate. We cannot do anything with that gate. Blue Ash made a decision, as far as I know. Blue Ash unlocks the gate. Blue Ash locks the gate back up. I've uh, gone through there twice in the last four days, uh, early in the morning, quarter to eight. Reading police cars sitting on Waxwing. Uh, there isn't any police cars in Blueish. Uh, right now, there's a car sitting, two parked cars sitting uh, across the street from one another. One one car near the barrier. Near the barrier, yeah. Uh, that will slow people down. Uh, one of the other things they did is move the stop sign away from the center of the street, because one gentleman cut a bunch of tree limbs down. And the way it was before, it was very difficult to get between the stop sign and the tree limbs. So they moved that over a little bit. Um, but I, you know, I don't. The problem we we have in Reading and in Blue Ash, the the only other way to bypass that uh, construction site is to go up Furman to Ridge on the Cross County. And I did that the first day. It took me 35 minutes to go 10 minutes away. I mean, I was late getting to my appointment because all the traffic was on Furman. Uh, and I believe uh, at the time, I didn't know Blue Ash was even going to open the gate. I thought, I guess they gave up on it until I found out about a week later they were opening the gate. But you'd have to talk to Blue Ash. They're the one. Am I right there, Pat? Yeah. Uh, I don't want to misspeak. I, I can give a little more background, too. Okay. Um, we weren't no Reading wasn't notified until February 27th of a major closure like this. And, and the person that was notified was our chief of public works. It took me calling their city manager to even get an answer. You know, I'm frustrated because if we would have done a project like this that was going to close off an entire community, surely they had a pre-construction meeting way before February 27th where longer discussions could have been held discussing this. So I have a call tomorrow morning with Blasha's city manager, and we're going to discuss this a little further. Um, 
But I will say, you know, it has had a lot of unintended consequences on the Reading side, not just on Waxwing. And Mr. Boehner mentions, um, I mean, that intersection at Furman in Columbia is already probably, uh, I forget the grade, but it's not, a, it's not an ideal intersection. Now we have, as of last Friday um, evening, um, we paid our traffic engineers to go up there and adjust the, the signal to, to hopefully make it a little better. We were the ones who requested from Blush or Blush's contractor to put a sign on Ronald Reagan because there was also traffic backing up into the lanes of traffic on Ronald Reagan. And, and I, you know, it's their project. So I said, hey, can you please put a sign warning of stop traffic? Because that, I go that way a number of times. So we're gonna continue to look at it. Um, we do, like you, like you mentioned on the Blue Ash side, I will tell you that three days a week, I've, uh, I've authorized our police to have overtime strictly up in that area. And they're up there three hours in the morning, three hours in the afternoon. Um, he doesn't want to necessarily point out what days or times just because if I say, hey, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, then, you know. But we do have that. We have our speed trailer, which has given us, this was through Sunday, he pulled the data um, as far as how many cars and the speeds going through there. Um, we haven't cited anybody in Reading yet for speeding. Now, on the Blue Ash side, I, I can't speak for them. I do. I will tell you on a call that I, I don't think their police chief was too interested in, in writing tickets up there, um, and that. But that's on that's on blush. You know, I can't force. I did. You know, when we were discussing it, um, you know, our initial thing was, hey, the people aren't used to cars on there, and the mayor was like, we shouldn't have cars going through there. Then the blush's fire chief spoke with our fire chief, and. Um, that is, if there's a fire in those neighborhoods, that Blush is not a mutual aid. They're an automatic dispatch. So they are, they're automatically dispatched into Reading on a fire. So with their fire department being on Cooper Road, you know, it kind of made sense, you know, and, and the mayor was like, okay, that makes sense, but let's get information. So we immediately drafted a letter to go to all the Cherryfield residents because we didn't want, we didn't want, um, it to be open and then they're like hey why is this all of a sudden open so we hand delivered those letters to our residents and I believe blush you know did and then the letters were roughly the same you know in conversation so um, as far as the detail route, the the detour route was we weren't consulted at all in Reading regarding the detour route you know as mr. Boehner I would have already said you know Furman is not an ideal way to put the detour route but we were not consulted with that um, you know it's it's frustrating because you know we, we want to be neighborly but it's like they have this project that they did not consult with or include us in the in the process of uh, until the end of February and then then at that point you know things are already in motion so I do have a call tomorrow we're gonna keep monitoring the speed um, we've asked you know and I'll point I'll, I'll ask him again you know, I, I know that Blush has a little bit more money than the city of Reading does, you know, in their reserve. So, you know, I'm going to ask them again to, to play some cops up there overtime. Um, I noticed that I, I dropped my daughter off on, on Cooper Road at the junior high, and they have two cops in the street, and a three, if you count up there, 
on Cooper Road in front of the junior high there every day, every morning and afternoon. So I would hope that they could also put some presence up on, on Waxwing to, to slow people down, you know, to make sure that they're... Yeah. If it stays open, just watch it and see it and, and try and you know, get through as, as quietly as possible. Not yeah. Quick, not quickly. <laughs> we're talking about. Yeah, we're going to keep our speed trailer up there on our side. I, I don't know if Plush owns one or not. Um, but they did put the, the four way stop up at Lobelia, right? It is, yeah. And um, that's actually helpful. Um, that's helpful. And then there's the one entering. As Mr. Boehner. Yeah, the other thing, the only reason it worked the first week is that the Classic Academy was on spring break that first week. Oh, they were. This week, they came back. Which is about Most 400 of the people cars. going to that charter school are from all over the area, not just Hamlin County. And they almost 90% of them come down Hunt Road. Uh, I suggested to them, when it first the sign first went up, I suggested to the people at the school to put it out to the people to use Furman. Go over to Cross County and come yeah. down Furman. It's the most logical way. Um, well, a, lot of them, a lot of them are actually coming down Cooper or Glendale Milford. Yeah. If I'm in the Valley, I wouldn't go anywhere near it. But people that are up in the hill throughout Reading are being impacted, not just. Yeah, right. yeah I'm, it's easy for me because I still have access to Cooper Road and Hunt Road on the other side right. to, to get around. Sure. Yeah. I can just go wait five minutes or however long it takes is how long it takes. Yeah. Because yeah, I, um, I use I would when I, you know just playing sports and stuff a couple of times a week I would go down um, um, Ridge and then hit Furman and come up the other way. Yeah. Um, so now I'm just doing alternate routes. Just what you just said. Uh, either I can go all the way around because I'm coming from Pleasant Ridge through the Rash Road and all. <laughs> I'm lucky that I have known um, alternate routes where they're not doing a lot of road construction. Yeah, it's not ideal. I mean, <laughs> running, running people the last couple of years have had a, I mean, we had the Duke pipeline come through here that was in town for about nine months and we had, so <laughs> we've, we've been dealing with uh, a lot of construction over the last two years. You know, they, have, they had a power outage this afternoon. Luckily, it only lasts about 15, 20 minutes, but that's the third one. But I think the second one that may have been affected by who's that moving the poles. Oh, in that area. Yeah, yeah. Oh. The first one obviously was high wind yeah. about three weeks ago, but the last two were during the day when they were up there working. Yeah, it's not an ideal location for a project because there, there, there really isn't the width, and and people have already been like, "Are you going to close down Hunt when?" We need to fix, we have another situation further up into Reading where we have a similar, now it's, it's more the sidewalk sliding, not the road, and it's wider there. So we should be able to do construction without closing both lanes. It's, Hunt Road has been eroding there for years, right? Just west of right. Yeah. Well, it used to be, it used to be a lot worse because that yeah. was right where that's fallen is what they used to call the twin bridges. This is back in the mid 60s. And uh, when, they, when they widened it and took those twin bridges out, obviously they didn't put any uh, borings up or retaining wall. And 
now has happened. Um, maybe this is inappropriate to ask you, but uh, if, the, if the construction's so expensive, they couldn't just open the one lane. I mean, there's one house, I think, between Fox Run and Wax Wing on time. They're coming down the hill. I'm gonna, I was going to bring that. I know that when Duke, they, the one conversation I had, they told me when Duke was doing their work, so Duke had to come in and move the poles temporarily to the other side where they cleared out all the trees. Yes. Those are temporary poles. And then they're going to, so then the contractor is going to come in, put in pier walls, fix the road. Then Duke will come back in. What they, what they told, I'm, I'm not sure if the contractor needs both lanes, but Duke said that their regulations, they couldn't safely work in there with cars going. So maybe the contractor might be able to, and I'll bring it up tomorrow when I talk to Mr. Waltz, but um, I know that they said Duke couldn't work in there um, with, with, both, with a lane open. Yeah, we, we need to pull this back a little bit because I think there are at least two other people, maybe three, who want to speak on the same subject. So. Um, not to run you off, but please stick around. We want to hear more. And when we will hear more, there's more information sitting here. Mr. Tucker. I think you missed the, the part where I said you state your name, address, you get five minutes. Hold on, because there's more. <laughs> Stick around, because there's, there's some research been done. You want some answers, I'm sure. So I'll, I'll just do the clips notes then. Um, so I, like, I received a letter again that it was, you know, it was for EMS and fire, which is excellent. And, like, we support access you know, for emergency vehicles. But again, like, the intention wasn't for, uh, you know, for, uh, for automobile access. Hey, sir. Can you? Sir, oh, sir. Just you can grab the People mic. People can't hear you uh, that are watching online. Oh, you're you, you can you can grab the mic, pull it right out of there. And Is that better? You got a munch on it. Okay. It's not the greatest one. Okay, I'll stand over here. You got it. Good. There you go. There you go. <clears throat> All right. Is that better? Yeah. Okay. Um. <clears throat> uh, so uh, mentioned the cameras. We mentioned that uh, that today we had 105 cars between 4:30 and 5:30 p.m. And on Monday, there was 127 cars um, in the same hour. Um, uh, it's, uh, the Blue, Blue Ash Mayor, okay, I'll, I'll ignore that part. Um, so I'm highlighting this time frame specifically because that's the time that the elementary school buses drop off and the kids are walking down the hill, um, you know, on, like on the street without sidewalks with cars, you know, careening down and trying to weave in and out of the parked cars to get past each other. Um, obviously, we've, we've all we've all seen this, and it's 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 scary, and I'm worried uh, for our children. Um, the stop sign in the middle of, of the barricade, um, which is fantastic, it's been often ignored. We've seen cars just fly through it. Again, this is Blue Ash's fault, not your guys. So, sorry, I'm repeating it. Um, the <clears throat> um, I've um, I did request the uh, the speed like the speed data from the. Um, uh, uh, from the speed sensor that, like, that the Reading Police Department had put there. Um, I can make, I can make a copy through Sunday. If oh, you, okay. Before so, you. I was waiting to hear back from uh, Blue's, uh, uh, Lieutenant Resser. Um, if, but yes, I would Chief Eanes pulled the data himself Sunday, so I have. Uh, 
I've got from they put it up before the, it was closed, so it goes from March 25th through Sunday, April 2nd. So only the first week. It doesn't have Monday, Tuesday of this week, but yeah. again, so if that's a safety issue, I guess it's something that I, that I need to speak to Blue Ash about to to get it closed since they have control over it. Um, <clears throat> I've I've been doing research into the parcels. Um, I believe uh, uh, my neighbor Paul mentioned that this the, the this barricade has been up for a while. I um, I have documentation from the uh, the Hamilton County Auditor's Office saying that the um, like those two parcels of land were like were vacated from the public street and turned into parcels uh, number six seven one dash zero zero three zero dash zero one eight six and parcel six seven one dash zero zero three zero dash zero one eight seven. Uh, thus making it no longer a road, um, thus, uh, like, thus negating it as a public throughway. Um, obviously, emergency vehicles are through because, I mean, the city needs to, to, to keep its people safe. Um, but I believe that this shows that it's not intended to be a, a pass-through back dating before some of the houses on the street were built as a part of the construction of, of the subdivision. Um, and yeah, and the rest I'll just I'll take to the next uh, Blue Ash City meeting. So um, thank you all for for answering so many questions. Can you thank you for working so hard, and thank you for, uh, for emailing with me today. Can you email me? Yes. And stick around because right after we get through all of the comments from everybody, we're going to have some more information from other people. All right, next up, come on up. You're the one who kicked it off. <laughs> you you can pull that uh, pull that microphone out. All right, um, you can hear me. My name is Scott Garten. Um, I live on Wax Wing as well, nine four zero three Wax Wing. Um, and my wife, um, she has a house in Reading, so we got married. Her my stepkids live there in Reading off Geis, so we uh, understand the frustration. My stepkids go to University of Cincinnati Blue Ash. They had to deal with the construction and the challenge to get there. I understand it's uh, it's frustrating. Um, I have four young kids that are 15, 13, 11, and nine. Uh, we bought the house at the Waxwing about five years ago. One of the big reasons was it was at a cul-de-sac with a gate that was, was told never would be open. Um, like I mentioned before, the kids love playing. They run around, they run through the street. Um, they're used to that street and almost being part of the yard. Uh, so, so I'm super concerned. Uh, the numbers cited, I've got a home uh, security system that you know, just by the way it's set up, it, it does count cars. So it has seen, it was a, what, 100 and something today, 127 yesterday on the hours that my nine-year-old walks from the bus stop up the top of the hill down. I'm very concerned that something's gonna happen when the kids get hit with that high volume of, and I don't wanna come back with um, you know, something bad like that have happened. So I, I do ask, I understand the issue with you know, Blue Ash is the one that would need to be working on closing the gate. Uh, this is just a super big concern of mine, and just want to you know, have that perspective of yeah, where we're coming from. Thank you. Stick around. Like I said, there's more information coming. One more. Did you want to speak on it too, or <laughs> are you good? You can if you want. You don't have to. drive I'm two doors up from the barrier um, I've been there eight years um, I think I'm here really just in support of that in particular street um, 
there is a lot more traffic there. And um, I think, although everybody is concerned, I know um, <coughs> from a municipality standpoint, some of these decisions are hard decisions to make. And um, we all have to work together on them. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, um, I'm concerned about the street. However, I really am just want, uh, I feel that the, those barriers really is, is having them in place is as beneficial for the city of Reading as it is for the city of Blue Ash. And I just, I think we're just all seeking comfort that we get it. If the road needs to be closed, and that is being a good neighbor that we want to, um, I think it's comforting to know that when construction, when, when the road opens up, that we can, you know, go back to kind of the way it was. And I support all the neighbors here. Everybody has a right to be concerned. We've seen a lot of differences. I mean, the gate opened up, we lost two mailboxes right away. And, um, you know, all of a sudden we're concerned for our pets. Just in just in the first six houses, we have 15 kids and seven or eight dogs. I mean, so it's a big change for all of us. And uh, so I'm here to support them and um, also support you guys. I think you guys have presented some good information. And um, so that's it. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. <clears throat> Any other? Audience participation. Probably not on this subject, but stick, yeah, guys, stick around. Hi, my name is Lisa Durbin. I live at 196 Waxwing Drive. I'm on the Reading side of that barrier. Oh, good. I'm the last house um, by the barrier, or the house that has the fire hydrant in the front of it, so I don't think we're going to have to worry about mailboxes or anything coming through our front yard. Um, just like the rest of the folks here, I'm concerned about all the traffic coming through. Uh, before that was opened up it was a solid rail and oftentimes it would get hit in the middle of the night because people would come down the hill and not realize that there was a stump there um, occasionally we'd hear a thud sometimes that would move um, they did have to do some repairs on it occasionally we've been in that house for over 20 I don't know, not quite 25 years I believe um, all that said when they changed it to be able to open we were under the impression we were told that would be open only for emergency purposes and they do open it for snow removal we were also told that both Redding and Blue Ash had keys to it so that they could open and close it for snow removal. Um, we've called both departments when it's left open too long during snow removal and they've both been very good to close it up. Um, my bigger concern through all of this is um, when all of this is done. I realize it needs to be open for safety purposes. I realize it needs to be open for traffic flow and things like that. Um, I've seen some of the, you know, backups on Reading Road and, or um, Ronald Reagan, so I get all that. Um, when I talked to the Blue Ash Mayor yesterday, he told me that he felt once they could open up one of the lanes on Hunt Road, they'd go ahead and close that barrier. I'm not real comfortable with his response, and quite frankly, I don't believe that it will get shut at that point, but it's a nice thought. Um, I also spoke to Mayor Bemis, and he was very nice about the situation. He's not happy with it either, and I'm sure you all know that. That being said, shortly after the rail was put up, my husband used to park his truck um, on the street where it was able to be parked at the time. There's no parking signs there now, of course. Um, one morning he came out to go to work and the back window was busted out. There's a chain over in the lawn. We're like, who in the world would do damage to our, our truck? A couple of months later, the neighbor up on the Blue Ash side said, oh yeah, by the way, somebody came down that hill late at night, didn't realize the guardrail was there, hit it 
it must have popped the chain off and that's when the chain flew through his back window. My concern is when the thing gets shut again, how many people are gonna come flying down there not realizing that the gate is shut? So as well as we ask to have the sign put on the gate that says, hey, at least reflective something, says the road is closed, and you guys did that, I appreciate that, it's beautiful. Um, that, that helps a ton. Yeah. But again, you know, when I talked to the mayor of Reading, uh, excuse me, Blue Ash, um, he didn't seem to be really excited about putting a police officer on the road because, of course, they're shorthanded. I know we are as well. Um, so I wasn't very happy with his comments. I also suggested that, like you did, they put a sign up on the a stop sign at that point because they said, you know, there's only a stop sign when you're going up to Blue Ash. There's not one when you're coming down the hill. So that's stupid. You know, nobody sees it. I'm yelling at people because they're not stopping. My husband says, oh, it's only a stop sign on our side. I don't get that. So I did notice that today there are stop signs going both ways. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I don't know that that's going to stop everybody, but at least they see it. <coughs> um, so again, my, my bigger concern is what happens afterwards. Everybody so far seems to be in pretty much agreement that we want that thing closed again. Um, I do understand for emergency purposes it needs to be open. That's great. We all get along with that. But they don't have sidewalks up in Blue Ash. Those kids are all over the street, and they've been used to it since they were little. My kids are grown, so I don't have that situation, but we have dogs, and of course we like to walk them occasionally, and, and there's a lot of people walking through that street. There's older folks that go up through there during you know early morning hours. I know my husband's um, father does, and they don't have to worry about the traffic when they're walking through there. Um, so yeah, again, um, that's, that's all I have. But thank you for listening, I appreciate it. Again, stick around, Patrick. Yeah, just real quickly, when it does close, that's a good point. Like, people might have been used. So at least on our side, you know, I'll ask our public works to put, you know, road closed ahead. That way we're warning people. And I'll say the same thing to Blush, but I, you know, like I said, I don't. But and I suggested to the gentleman, to the mayor, um, that it might be a good idea to have a police officer sit there for the first couple of days until people are used to, hey, this thing is closed. Yeah. So they know they can't go through there, but I don't know that he was real interested in that. So I wish you luck. Patrick, could we, could we, you know those uh, flashing lights they mount on top of sawhorses? Can we put a couple of those on the barrier facing Reading when they shut it? I'll look into that. Temporarily? I know you're talking about, yeah, yeah. I'll look into that. I'm not uh, sure if that's enough, but that would be helpful. What is the expected duration of the project? Do you know offhand if it's going to be a couple months? Or they said two months. Okay. So, I mean, maybe maybe that was a high. I, like I said, I wasn't in any meetings with contractors. So, I, you know, hopefully that's a high <coughs> estimate. You know, hopefully it's six weeks maybe. But um, we've had projects where, you know, we thought it was going to be two two months and it ended up being three months, you know. And this but, isn't some trial period that we're thinking about leaving this gate open forever. No. As soon as the project's done, or even prior to that, it is going to close. Yeah, and, that, and that's like it was. Before. Correct. I mean, it's said in the letter, and I mean that—that's why, frankly, we we haven't opened. There's another gate on the other side of Waxwing. Um, we haven't opened that, you know. Be, you know, there's not. A, an, there's that no, one goes to, to Deer Park, right? Sycamore Township, Sycamore Township, okay. But there's no emergency route that would get, you know, if you look at the roads, it winds through. There's no emergency access there. There would be no really logical reason to go through that way, too. We, we have another person who would like to speak. Come on up. Name and address, five minutes. Uh, my name is Mike Durbin. I live at 196 Waxwing Drive. 
Um, I just have one thing to say that nobody's, uh, that everybody's forgetting about. Um, last time this thing was open for three days, there was a little girl hurt on uh, the top of the hill. Uh, I want to say just before you get to the stop sign, and they immediately closed it. That's all I got to say. Very good. I wasn't even aware of that one. <coughs> Nobody else knew about it either. Okay. One more person. My name is James Shelton. I live at 2401 Carroll Drive. Uh, I've come tonight. Uh, I was contemplating on how to address this, but I thought maybe coming to council would be the best way. Uh, I'm not trying to complain or ask for leniency on anything, but uh, a few days ago I did receive a letter from the city about a complaint I guess made for the house I've been for exterior maintenance. Um, I live at, uh, like I said, on the corner of Carol and Dollar, and if any of you know the house, it's, it's pretty ugly. <laughs> it hasn't really much been done to it on the outside in the past 20 years. So when I moved in two years ago, I've been doing fixing up the inside and trying to make some improvements on the outside. Obviously, I'm one person on this budget, so it takes a little bit longer. You know, try to live between your beans and everything. So um, I thought that I personally had stuff on the outside of the house hidden behind the cars that are in my driveway, tucked in front of the, the uh, garage or on the side of the house that, you know, just nowhere else really to go with some stuff at the time. And I do already, prior to this letter being written, have reserved the truck from the city to have to come for the weekend so I can get rid of, of, of more stuff in the house too. Uh, but when I did receive this letter, I did, uh, obviously there are some things on it that I agree with uh, that need to be uh, updated. And when I did call and have a conversation with Rick Martin, that's really when the problem started. Nothing against Rick as a person. He, he was very cordial and everything on the phone. He did his job in a professional manner. It's the way that the laws are being applied that I was concerned with. Uh, in the letter here, one thing that, first off, it, I don't own the house. It's actually owned by my sister. Uh, I don't have a rental agreement, so I'm not a tenant under Ohio law. I believe is that how, unless it's a, a tenant is defined differently by the state or the city of Reading. I could not find that because our uh, ordinances are not updated on the website and I didn't have time to come in because of work to, to read them here. So technically, because I don't have a rental agreement and I, I'm not a tenant of the house, I just live there <laughs> and um, I'm not the property owner, but yeah, the letter was sent to me and not to my sister who is the property owner. So that was the first thing that I was kind of like, well, that's weird. Uh, another one was, it was cited for a sanitation violation uh, because that I have ladders stacked on the side of my house, which I thought was a pretty regular thing. Uh, and, and, and some other different things on the side of my house. I do have a toilet on the side of the house because I tried to put it out for Rumpke, but Rumpke won't take it because it was too heavy. So I need a different way of disposing it. Um, but the problem was specifically with the trailer that I have on, I have a small four by six trailer that's just for the riding lawnmower. That's all it fits on. It's pretty small. Um, the way the code is written, it says that it has to be uh, a pad. If you store a vehicle on the side of your house, it has to be a pad that is engineered to withstand the weight of the vehicle. It has to be connected to your driveway and it has to be as wide as the vehicle itself. And this is where I was 
Well, also, when I got the letter and I spoke to Rick, he told me it wasn't just those things, but it also had to be made out of blacktop or concrete, not just an engineered surface, which would also probably be extended to certain parking pavers that are, uh, are made for parking vehicles on and, and com properly compacted gravel, that type of thing. Uh, but he explained to me that it was just, even though I don't see it here in the code, that it was just blacktop or concrete. So I'll see some clarification on that. And uh, I asked him why the letter was sent to me and how he would know that you know, I was the person that the occupant of the house or how he just sent it to. And he stated that there is a law on the books that he can either cite the owner of the property or the tenant of the property. That's where the tenant part comes in because I'm technically not a tenant, I'm just living there. Like any one of you that has children probably would not consider your children or any other multi-generational setup as a tenant with a signed lease paying rent as the Ohio Revised Code states. So I just am really concerned that these laws of the property maintenance are not being applied evenly throughout the city to everybody and that uh, the way that we're interpreting them isn't really meeting what the letter of the law states. And uh, I did have some problems with this a year and a half ago when I was doing more of a lot of the construction inside, construction meaning tearing out the floor, putting new floors in, putting new tile in, that kind of thing. Almost all the surface of the inside are done so I can move to working more on the outside of the house now. Um, but even in those letters, Hey, hey, to stop you, you've reached your five-minute limit unless we can get a motion from council to extend. I'll make a motion. All right, we have a motion from Mr. Tommen. Second. I'll second. Ooh, I heard Mr. Bishop first. And a second by Mr. Bishop to extend time. All in favor? Uh, aye. 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 Uh, time's extended. I'll give you another five. Go ahead. Uh, and then a, a year and a half ago, those letters, I got a letter about uh, some of the stuff that was being thrown away that was torn out from the inside and it was kind of you know waiting on trash day to get thrown out and it's a rotating mess and i understand that uh when the letters are written they give you 15 days to to make the corrections before they'll start citing us and in 40 days i received over a half a dozen letters from the city for different property violations most of them do have pictures some of them are just wildly not even true like one states that i had a couch and some pallets and some other random furniture sitting in my side yard and bob i know you live up there so i don't know if you've ever seen a couch in my backyard or anything like that no. so uh i guess what my biggest concern is is are we applying these laws as written are we applying them for everybody and are we uh are we actually are they being weaponized by only applying them when people complain about a property. There was one that said that they saw a rodent by my garbage can, and I don't know how, I think, are, are we supposed to be, <laughs> I don't know what creatures living outside, but are we supposed to be responsible about what tries to get into our trash or not at night? So those are uh, kind of what I was wondering about. The reason I'm coming to you guys is that I believe just on the surface that a lot of these ordinances are outdated and need to be updated. I know we've talked a lot here about updating our zoning codes and our exterior property maintenance codes. Some of them are just kind of like they were probably written a long time ago and they just don't resemble how we live these days. And some of them are even, I think, a little bit nitpicky and I think a lot of people would agree. Uh, so 
I'm not asking for any leniency on me. I'm not, you know, I'll, I'll correct my stuff everything that needs to be corrected there. Uh, but I do want to ask that we review some of the codes. And even just to kind of drive home the points, I didn't want to bring up any other private residents or, or any other, you know, just a regular, but when you drive around the city, you see trailers all over the place. You see different people parked in front of houses, on the side of houses, not on what they would consider pads. So I did drive around just a little bit to uh, look at uh, all of our elected officials' properties. And I think three of you, Bob, uh, Dave, and Scott, apparently no apparent property violations. So you guys uh, did pretty well. The other ones I think we could all laugh at is, uh, Shelly, you had the camper in your backyard or is on what I would consider a proven pad, but it looks like it's probably more than 11 feet, which it says it can't be more than 11 feet in the code of ordinances. <coughs> and obviously that's a little crazy. Uh, Katie, you had a, a weed overgrown out of your back fence, which is something that, uh, both of those things that was violated for. So uh, that's our, we're stated in the letters why I bring them up. Uh, when I went by Mr. Ross, your house had dead vines on the front of the house behind the statue of Mary that you have there, which is something that was cited in his letters. Um, and then, Mr. Bronner, I'm not sure, does your driveway on the side of the house go to nowhere? Do you park a truck on the side of your house? There's a there's an existing driveway in the driveway we poured. So that driveway is contiguous, which the these violation would say that violation that uh, driveway would need to be contiguous and not just the two strips of concrete on the side it looked like there's grass growing in the middle I'm not sure either way of course these are all ridiculous and i'm nitpicking obviously and then mr bishop you had uh, some what looked like maybe dead vines growing on your on your fence in between clearly you well, have they haven't bloomed yet and they're dead from the season oh right this season. Like, you know, yeah, the season so uh, i think we could all agree that a lot of this is nitpicky and we should probably relook at some of these things that's all i'm asking the council of council now. mrs kroger no i will say well, that one's here one's not okay sorry a half a dozen letters in 40 days does seem like a lot um and as i have said many times property maintenance is probably the number one complaint that i get from people on the flip side of our city not acting fast enough for most properties um, I know my mom is dealing with one on her street and I know the city has been contacted about it and so it does seem um, a little out of balance that is something I kind of want to look into um, because I know there are some um, properties that are constant nuisances and I have residents contact me a lot and I don't know um, if we're being as vigilant on those as it seems like you are being, um, especially if you're doing construction and you're getting that many letters. I, I mean, I can speak for a house that has been under construction for over a year on my street because it had a fire and I would never report them um, knowing the situation, but um, I, you know, I don't believe that they've been contacted at all. So that does seem a little, a little excessive. So um, I'll look into this. Any other comments? I'd like to add that that most uh, property maintenance issues are complaint driven, without a doubt. So, you know, you may want to kind of look around the neighborhood and ask some questions, knock on some doors, and make you know, kind of right. connections with the neighbors and see, you know, hey, if if I do this, that, or the other thing, are you satisfied with this? Or, 
you know, or is that something that, um, you know, is going to continue to be a problem? But certainly I would say they're all, almost all complaint driven because I know Rick, you know, he sees things that jump out him as he's, as he's going through the city. But if he was to stop and like, like, you know, you said nitpicky to, to do that, he would never be able to make a dent in, uh, you know, the, the, the small things, so to speak. Right. And I guess that was one of my, one of my worries was that, uh, with our, our, I don't know if it's official or unofficial policy of only uh, going out to houses and, and, and unless there's a, a big violations with only going out to houses if someone complains. Uh, could that lead to any neighbors deciding to get back and, you know, might get mad at another neighbor so they call the city on them and, you know, could get them fined $170. I think it's like $170 per violation per day after a while if they haven't. I would almost guarantee that if somebody is mad because it has happened to us right. when the guy next door was rehabbing the house he called on us every single monday well, i don't know i don't know how to combat that i'm just well i, I will tell you that, that rick does go out uh, he can always cite what he can see from the street or sidewalk he can't go on your property uh i've called about uh three or four places in my ward already. <clears throat> but, you know, I think that uh, there's always going to be that uh, neighbor versus neighbor thing going on. And Rick gets put in some tough spots. But for the most part, he's able to work that out. Well, I can tell you, almost all of these pictures that I took were from on the property, not from the street. Uh, and and the, like, the ladders, okay, you can see in the picture here, the ladders, they were up against the house, they were stored properly, they fell over during winter, you know, that that type of thing. So I, it's just a few of those little things. There's a grill on the side of the house that apparently should not be there because he places it there. Uh, I will say there was a desk that I needed to break down and get into a garbage can so it could be thrown out. <laughs> so I'll admit, not everything's perfect. Well, let me ask you a question, James. How long has that stuff been in your driveway? I mean, I, I, I don't want to put you on the spot. If you don't want to answer a question, I, I don't want to put you on the spot. I'm just asking. Um, well, I mean, I've seen furniture in your driveway for a period of time. Um, am I not allowed to have furniture in my driveway? What? No, I mean, it was on. Question, are you I allowed mean, to have furniture? It, the, the, fur the furniture, from what I remember, was on the front porch. It went from the front porch to the driveway, and it's still in the driveway. No. No. Has it been five minutes? Is it not acceptable to have chairs or a table to sit at? Is it outdoor furniture or no. like a living room couch? It was, a couch. <laughs> it was a wooden desk, which I was planning on using to sit outside and work when I work from home for the summer because it's much nicer than sitting on the floor downtown and wasn't nothing but a horse honking all the time. But, uh, it's probably a little bit unconventional, uh, but it's no different than someone storing patio furniture on a surface through the winter. And you leave a little powder furniture out all year to cut. I think in, in that case, at least from my perspective, the wood desk is intended for interior use, so it's not protected against the elements. So like sun and water would do damage to it. 
So I think that would probably be the difference. Yeah. Yeah. And if it deteriorates to the point where it's falling apart, you know, I don't prosecute our life. Right? But I understand that's unconventional, but it's not necessarily against the law. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I haven't studied the that particular section of the code yet, but. And then uh, one of the things I did, I have a truck. I had taken the spare wheel out of the back, leaned it up against the garbage can, uh, used the truck. It was maybe leaned there against two days if you decided that, which you wouldn't be able to see from the street. There were, and I'm like, okay, so my Jeep doesn't have a tag from this year on. It needs to be updated. Now, I don't understand why the city cares if the car in my driveway is licensed properly. The state of Ohio doesn't. But uh, that seems like it should be updated to me personally. Well, we definitely need to take a look at the code. But I do believe that is in place to um, kind of curtail people collecting kind of junk cars. Well, there's um, already another ordinance on the books that says that you can't have a car at any state of disrepair or disenfranchisement on your property or your driveway. Or unlicensed. That all the same. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the plain fact of the matter is Rick enforces both of those sections. Um, getting back to your original question, the, the exterior property maintenance code applies to owners, it applies to tenants, it also applies to occupants. So, you have to read the code. I didn't see that part of the code. I'm looking at it right now. Okay, I think uh, I think that'll wrap that one up. Any other audience participation? Okay, moving on to reading of communications. Mr. Garten, your email's up. This is what kicked us all up, and you guys stick around because you I too. Could, I could read it. Yeah, she's gonna read it for you. Sure. Okay. Hi, my name is, is it Garten? Is it Garten? Oh, I'm sorry. Hi, my name is Scott Garten and I live at 9403 Waxwing Drive <clears throat> at the bottom of the hill. Um, I apologize. This email was addressed to Dwight. I understand that you grew up on the street and are very familiar with the value of the gate. My wife and I also own a house on Geise Court, so we are Reading folks too. We are very frustrated by the opening of the gate with no forewarning or chance to share our concerns. I have four young kids who are used to playing in the dead end cul-de-sac, which turned into a main road over the weekend. The traffic has picked up to be over 60 cars an hour on a Sunday afternoon with few stopping at the stop sign and cars speeding down the hill. Traffic will be much heavier during the week as well. We were told it would be monitored by police and fire, but I haven't seen any police cars the past few days. We were also told that it would be shut again if traffic had become more than a trickle, which it has for sure, but the gate remains open. I'm afraid there will be an accident, and I understand there was a girl hit on the street sometime back, uh, which, led to, uh, which led to the gate. I understand that your father was a part of the Waxwing, Waxwing Beautification Committee that managed uh, the gate, but that committee has fallen away. I wanted to see if you had any details on the committee. I believe the Tuckers now have the deed. Thanks for your help, Scott Garden. So what a tangled web history weaves. 
I asked everybody here who spoke on this subject to stick, stick around for a reason. We'll start off with, uh, first of all, Mr. Powell, I'm looking well, for that motion. First Actually, we first need of all, we need a motion to, to receive and file. mark the communication as read and Second. filed. Second. So a motion by Mr. Powell and a second by Mr. Boehner to receive and file the email. All in favor? Aye. 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 So the motion carries. And now, Mr. Powell, if you wouldn't mind that other. Sure. I'd like to make a motion that we have some discussion on the gate. I'll second. We have a motion by Mr. Powell and a second by Mrs. Edichico, not Mrs. Kroger, <laughs> Mrs. Edichico, to um, open uh, discussion on the gate. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? All right. Kick it off, Mr. Powell. Okay. I uh, did uh, kind of an anticipation last week when I saw the gate was open, I figured we may have an audience tonight. So I did some research on maybe not necessarily the gate, but at least the properties itself. That's what I was able to do. So uh, the north portion of Waxwing Drive in the city of Reading was dedicated by the Cherryfield Acres Section B subdivision plat recorded in Registered Land Plat Book 7, page 35. Waxwing Drive in the city of Reading was accepted on November the 7th, 1960, by ordinance number 60-47. The north five feet of Waxwing Drive in Reading was vacated by the city of Reading on October 15th, 1962, by ordinance 62-42. Domestic Articles of Incorporation for the Waxwing Beautification Association, Inc. were approved by the state of Ohio on February the 26th, 1975, with the following individuals being listed as trustees. Arnold E. Engel, 9403 Waxwing Drive in Blue Ash. Richard M. Down, 9460 Waxwing Drive in Blue Ash. Roy A. Weehy, 9629 Petworth Court in Redding. Donald E. Colda, 184 Waxwing Drive in Redding. Mr. Down was also appointed its agent for the corporation. The records of Hamilton County indicate Waxwing Beautification Association Inc. is the owner of the portion of Waxwing Drive vacated by the City of Reading with a transfer date of March 28, 1975. During my brief search, I did not find a deed or registered land certificate in the name of Waxwing Beautification Association Inc. The registration for Waxwing Beautification Association was canceled by the state of Ohio on June 3, 1996 for failing to file a statement of continuing existence. All of the trustees of the corporation appear to be deceased. And that, that's kind of the background on, on the property that I was able to come up with. I've got some additional information. Go ahead. Uh, we had a title search done on the two parcels that uh, cross waxwing at that area. The, uh, uh, in addition to what Dave said, it, the auditor's records show that the property was transferred. However, nothing was ever recorded reflecting the transfer. <clears throat> in fact, the deed uh, that was recorded that evidenced the vacation of the street specifically had those parcels crossed out. So uh, nothing's ever been recorded that would evidence the uh, transfer from the two adjoining property owners that the street was vacated to to the beautification society the uh, auditor's records are, are different of course but um, and as Dave said at this point uh, 
my guess is the people who truly own the property have been long dead as well. Um, and the Beautification Association hasn't been in existence now for, what, 27 years? A while. So that's where we are. Uh, all the other stuff that they pointed out, the vacation and the ordinance, are spot on. Yes, please ask the question. It's important. Come on, come on up here so everybody can hear it. on the corner of that parcel does that leave me any recourse to have anything to do with my portion of that corner of that guardrail I really can't answer that question um, I mean, is there any way I can you know I, I, you you, it, you may be able to start a quiet title action to obtain ownership of the property I don't know um, yeah, what we did was we had the title uh, researched, which showed the vacation, and it showed the uh, auditor's records that had the uh, uh, transfer to the um, Beautification Society, but the recorded documents in the deed actually had that transfer crossed out. And part of that may be because it used to be registered land, and uh, those transfers were difficult to get recorded if they weren't precise. Um, I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, a title attorney may be able to help you. I can give you the name of a couple if you want. You might want to speak with Mr. Tucker about that because it's registered at his address. And actually there are two parcels. Right. The east half and the west half are two separate parcels. And that's what happens when a street is vacated. The, the parcels devolve to the adjoining property owners. And um, the uh, as you know, the the the, the the ordinance vacating the street was signed by Mr. Gertz's father in 1962. So, so it doesn't default back to the current property owner. Well, it defaults back to the current owner at the time of the vacation. Um, and uh, you know, as a property owner, if you are an adjoining parcel to that strip then you may have a right to, to claim that as a successor and in interest to the other owner. But I'm not prepared to answer that question tonight. Okay. No, okay. Thank you. All right. One other thing to point out on that as well, if you look at the old tax map of it, on the old tax maps, the parcels are actually in green ink, the label, and they are circled. And if you see them in green ink, or if they are circled, it typically means there's a survey of record on those. However, the old ones that were in green ink, the surveys are no longer accessible. I don't know if they were lost to time or, or what, but typically if you see a circled parcel on a tax map, it means there's a survey of record on it. So, so my suggestion would be for those on the Reading side of Waxwing who will but those two many parcels take whatever action. I think the best place for them to stay is with the owners right there. So that'd be you and the one across the street from you. My opinion, and my dad used to pay the taxes on it when it was still taxed. That's my opinion. As it seems to me to be the best place for those to land. Did he file an exemption? Uh, he may have, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think they're taxed anymore. Yeah, they're, they're not taxed anymore. Current tax value is zero. So 
you may wish to speak with Mr. Tucker on this subject. He's the one in the black mask there. Um, there, are, there are a lot of moving parts and none of them fit, is my read. <laughs> the, the machine is broken and in multiple pieces all over the road. So if you guys want to figure out how to put it back together, go for it. At least three pieces. You've got two parcels in the gate. Yeah, two parcels of the gate, three pieces, but it's actually two, it's a two-piece gate, so four. But anyway, um, for Mr. Ross, um, can, um, actually, does, does Blue Ash own that gate? Uh, I, it's way before my time. So. We need, we need to figure that one out because of, come on, come on back up. You're going to, we, we want to get it on record. So if. So what I can tell you is the gentleman who lived next door to us previous to the current owners, um, Jim Sokolos. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it exactly. But when Jim was there, he was an older gentleman, and he used to see people walking through all the time, and he felt that it would be nice to extend that sidewalk to the Blue Ash side. So I believe he wrote a letter to Blue Ash. Perhaps you can find that information. I'm not sure. But he, he, he explained to us that he was trying to get a new gate put in so that it would be able to be opened. He wanted it changed so that there could be more access for people who are walking and you know, taking their dogs and their kids through there. So that was probably, I don't know, five years ago maybe when he passed away, but it was before he passed um, that he had that put in or requested to have it built. So I don't know exactly how that came about, but I know he had told us that he had worked with Blue Ash to do that. That's good information. Thank you. Mr. Tucker. Um, in that regard specifically, I'm not sure if it applies, but um, in the, uh, on the auditor's site, uh, there, there are multiple pictures of, of the gate. There's one dated two, uh, 2008 where it's a solid uh, steel barrier, and there's one in 2015 where it is the, it is the two-piece uh, barricade that opens up. So I'm assuming that the data for that would be somewhere in between 2008 and 2015, if, if, I mean, that's helpful. That's a good guess. I'd say yes. So, um, Mr. Bishop, I, I asked you to read this as part of your report. Uh, I think, but I think we covered, covered a lot of it. Yeah. But Patrick, remember this? Yep. Okay. So it looks to me like the fire chiefs decided this this was going to be a thing. So my question is, when that gate is closed. What, do, what route do they use to get where they're going from Blue Ash to Reading or the other way around? Uh, I, th I think they go probably down Reed Hartman. They take a left onto Reed Hartman and then the right on Hunt. You know where their station is? Well, there are a couple of them they've got. Well, the so. closer one on, on Cooper Road. On Cooper, yeah. Okay. yeah. I had talked to Chief Owens and I believe he said that when that gate's not open, they come down Hunt from their Cooper Road station. Okay. So it seems, and this is something for the people very directly involved, all of you sitting here in the audience who came, is there a way, whether it be Blue Ash or Redding or both, can set up a system whereby only emergency vehicles can get through? Our uh, wireless communication technology has taken uh, great leaps forward since 2008. I think there's probably a method of making that gate available only to emergency vehicles. 
So, Mr. Ross, can you uh, work with your counterpart in Blue Ash to see if that's a possibility? I'm not really sure what you're asking. Like remote like control. Remote? Yeah, like a remote. That I mean, is, I don't know about spending the money for something. By the time we would get it done, the work might be done at that point. Um, True, but we have things around here like tornadoes that will shut down Hunt Road eventually at some point. He's talking about in the future. Fu future future use. use. Future use. I mean, there is a key. Where, where would you get the power for the gate? We yeah. got this thing called the sun. We got batteries. Okay. We, we got all kinds of LED lights that, that uh, run on that all the time. Speed lights, all that kind of stuff. Don't they have keys now? They, yeah, they, it's they got keys now. They, they, also, they, can open it they also got bolt cutters. So Both sides have keys. So yeah, I don't see so, where we need to. So I, I don't know why we would spend a bunch of money doing that when we can unlock it with a key okay so is there any barrier no pun intended to closing that and making sure that every fire truck and every police car has a key Maybe once the construction is done we go back to the way it was yeah yeah what it's to going to be closed once constructions okay sides is that key. going to prevent somebody from getting run over that, I that's mean, you could say that on any street, Mr. Don. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. I mean, but now you're being a little inflammatory. No, it's it's not because we had two people here talk about something I wasn't even aware of from but the I last mean, time I was there. But I mean to say, are you, you're going to say, can I prevent someone getting hit by a car? I mean, we're doing what we can to slow traffic down in the city of Reading. Not quite. There's where where you put up temporary no parking signs on Waxwing just south of the barricade. That's where that speed trailer needs to be, not between Petworth and North uh, Cathwood. Well, I, I defer to my police chief on that one. So if you want to know the real speeds, that's where you need to go get them. Uh, that's, that's one. And the other thing is I recommend all the residents, you, I spoke to most of you earlier, um, where it's legal to park, park something legally. You'll choke off the flow. This has been done many times in the past from the time I knew what the word barricade was coming up and uh, all the way to now. So if, if it's legal to park there, park something there legally. I live at 196 uh, Waxwing Drive. The barrier is in our front yard, actually, in the corner of it. Um, they have no um, parking there in front, so would I get a ticket? Well, there, there, was a, there was a temporary. Wait, are you on the east side or the west side? Um, it's on the right side. Ready. So as, as you're driving up, as you're driving from Hunt Road up the hill, are you on the right or on the left? Right. You're on the right. Okay. So you're on the east side. Okay. It well, is it legal to park there otherwise? Yeah, that, but that's across the street from you, correct? Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's that's where a speed trailer needs to be if they're going to have those signs up. Otherwise, you need to be allowed to park there, like it used to be. Well, the I park four, I park one, two, three, four, four houses up now because of that. That's something Mr. Ross can address. Yes, Mr. Yeah. Bishop, go ahead. Yeah, with the, I went through that uh, when they opened the barricade. I went through a couple of days later, and I, I was in my uh, my pickup truck. Uh, full-size pickup truck and because of the Reading police car sitting there the stop sign in the middle of the road and the car sitting on the side I could barely get through there um, and it's supposed to be two-way traffic so I was really one lane of traffic going through there I had to 
veer around the stop sign to get around everybody. So um, I definitely had to slow down going through there. Well, that uh, road right there was never meant, that thing that they're using as an access was mm -hmm. never meant as a go through. Mm -hmm. It's strictly what we were told for emergencies, fire trucks and whatnot in the city when they want to come and clean the snow, which I have no problem with. I mean, they're doing us a favor. <laughs> But this this whole thing's ridiculous. I, I don't know how how we're, how we're going to get it resolved when everything's you know being thrown towards blue ash. This guy is evidently not wanting to cooperate. Is there anything we can do, more or less, like, hey, you need to cooperate because you know there's lives at stake here, <laughs> and I don't want one of those small children's, namely Scott's little girls, man, these cutest little things you guys ever seen, uh, to get yeah, something wrong. I, I can't that. I mean, they're little, they're little kids. And if I have a weakness, that's what it is. I, I, I can't stress it enough that something needs to be done. Those cars are going way faster than they should. Um, and they seem, you know, almost when we're out there to mock us, so to speak, like, ha, 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 I'm allowed to go through here, you know, ha, 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 ha. And you really got to watch yourself just stepping off my driveway into the street there. And, um, people can say what they want, you know, they can say that we're griping and stuff. Like I told the wife, I'm, I'm not going to be one of those guys. But it's very, very, very hard not to be. I just don't want nobody getting hurt. I don't I care less if the damn thing's open. I don't want somebody getting hurt. And, you know, just us talking about it and saying this and saying that, I don't know if that's going to, you know, get something taken care of. We need it taken care of, not, you know, like down the road, just because somebody, like a blue edge says, I can't do it. I can't make that decision. Somebody's got to make the freaking decision. Because somebody, like I said before, the last time it was over for three days, a little girl got hurt, and that's why they closed it back. Is that what we're waiting on? That's all I got to say. That's why I say it would be a good idea for you and your neighbor across the street to work with Mr. Tucker on this as far as you can go. Go ahead. I'd, I'd speak with my lawyer. You may have found a decent one. He has a little bit of history and knowledge on this thing, so he may be able to help you out real well. So that's what I need to do? Is that the next step? Uh, that's probably where I'd go. You should have to spend the money. The city should spend the money. I mean, uh, Although I like working for it. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see this thing where we don't have to be here again. I don't have to be up here in front, you know, speaking to you guys, you know, asking to see if something can be done, if uh, we can do it, you know, if we can do it. I mean, he's not, uh, it sounds like Mr. Ross, they're not going to cooperate with him. I mean, he, Mr. Ross, it seems like there's only so much you can do. I mean, we're doing what, we, what I think we can to slow people down in Reading. Right. You know, and. But it's not stopping the problem. Uh, there is a problem. It's not our fault as residents that they decide that they want to build something and then put all these people through there and like Scott's, yeah. Who's telling you, Scott's little girls, you know? I'm, I don't know how else to say it, guys. There's, I mean, if it was in front of your house, I mean, would you be the same way? 
I mean, honestly, would you? How would you guys feel if it was in front of your house? These cars were flying by. I almost get at my stop sign. And there's little girls. Yeah. Yeah. There's little girls. There's yeah. there's a, a kid. Um, the ring, two houses to my left. They have an autism autistic kid there. He's a uh, was listed as uh, he's told me as a runner. They have to keep all their doors locked. When they go in, when they go to get inside their house, they got to knock on the door. Is so and so okay? Come on in. And granted, he's bigger now, but if this kid runs now, you're not going to stop. He's twice my size and a lot older now, and he's more a little smarter. I mean, what do we got to do, man? I, is that what I got to do? I'll do it. Talk to this guy. I mean, it don't sound like it's going to get resolved here. Or what I'm hearing. I mean, everybody's just hearing what's being said, and you know, nothing's going to get resolved. I would suggest going to the next Blue Ash Council meeting, and it sounds like the residents of Blue Ash are planning to attend. So, again, get with them and. There, you know, because I'm already, you know, you know what I have. Mm -hmm. I'll get final talk there. No, nothing resolved. You know, uh, this, this this is a typical uh, Reading guy complaining because we want to do a project and we got the gate open. We all know that's what's going to happen. So I guess what I'm getting at is what, I mean, can you guys do anything? If not, I guess I need to talk to these guys and get resolved because it's not being resolved. And I was told when I originally moved into this house, the four corners, the four <coughs> houses had to say so of that gate. Now, it's like you're saying, our, our, our property, or that gate is actually on our property. Um, when when we uh, I go to cut the grass, I get to move the damn gate out of the way because it's in my front yard. I mean, if I want to be the complaining whiny guy, I can, but I don't want to be. I just want little guys not getting hurt and people not driving through there at 35, 40, whatever, however fast they're going because they're flying. I don't know. And then the stop sign where he's got, where you, uh, Mr. Ross, you have that, that speed thing, there's a stop sign before it. So they stop before they get to the, 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 the thing. And the stop sign had to be put there because of the autistic kid, it was required because of the kid that lives next to me. So that's why that stop sign was there and that's why it was requested. So now when people see that stop sign, they stop, or blow through it, and then you get the occasional private speeders. But you, you put that thing up there by where we're at, or where Scott lives. You know you can't obviously because it's blue ash side. You will get a lot faster speeds. You could put it right between where those no parking cones are. My driveway for all I care. You'll get a lot faster speeds. That's all I got. Chief, I know the chief is watching. So yeah, well, when they come through there, when the chief. Or Scott's talked to um, the Blue Ash police before, and, and they said there was just a triple. They were, he had, what, 39, 40 cars? And how long? It was a really hot night. Yeah. That's a lot of cars. And then my next door neighbor, Jim Ring, just before you, uh, you guys, Blue Ash closed it in my driveway, and literally the driveway to the left of me, they don't work, so they counted the cars. 210 cars turned around in my driveway and the one next to it. This is a very big issue, man. I mean, very big. I mean, 
And Mr. Durbin, I, I want you to understand that we're hearing everything you, you, you and everyone else has said. We just have a, a lot of different moving pieces and in collaboration with another municipality. And, and, and I don't think anybody wants to speak out of turn saying what we can de definitively do right now. There's going to have to be follow-up. It's going to have to be follow-up tomorrow and then in the days um, yeah, hereafter. Sorry. Appreciate you coming in. Thank you. Thanks. Mr. Gertz. Tony Gertz, uh, Pike Street Ready. Uh, yes, thank you. So, this is continuing discussion on the. Well, okay. I just had two points. Number one, the rhetorical question why was it ever put up to begin with? In 1962, it's real simple. Because the residents of Ready living there didn't want it. They didn't want to be able to have all this worry about traffic going through all that area in such a way. What is the advantage of taking it down? It's not an emergency, it's convenience. It's convenience so people can go and save 30 minutes to get to the other side of where they want to go. If the convenience is more important than people's lives or the inconvenience or protection of already residents, I don't think the question is that difficult to answer. You put the barricade back up to get a solution. Or you leave it up and let people go in a more difficult way to get to wherever they want to go, to Kroger's or whatever it is. Protect the people of the city of Reading. That's whom you represent. I represent these people. I don't want any of their kids to get hurt. And that's why I wasn't going to speak this evening. I told them that I'd let it go because you know more than anybody. Your father at one time was very involved with the process of owning what was going on up there, Dwight. But this isn't that difficult to me. Close the gate till you get a solution. The gates in the city are ready. It's not that difficult. It's only been taken down for the convenience of people to get around in this various parts of town. Heck with the convenience. Protect the residents and protect the people. Protect the kids. It's not that difficult. It sounds like something for administration to handle. Any further discussion? 32 Maple Drive. At the same time, you have to protect the kids living on Furman Road too. There is a group of kids that plays it for a play in the yard at Furman and Columbia. There's a couple groups of kids at Furman and Carol Ann. There is a ton more traffic going up there now than there was with this shutdown. It's protection everywhere, not just in that neighborhood in that area. So you're saying closing the gate would benefit that area as well? Or no, leaving, leaving it open? open is going to cut down on the traffic on Furman and Columbia. Any further discussion on this topic? All right, seeing none, moving on to the next item on the agenda. Guest speakers, we have none. Uh, executive session was not on the uh, agenda, however. I make a motion that we enter into executive session to discuss the potential purchase and potential sale of real property I'll second so we have a motion by mr. Powell and a second by mrs. Edichico uh, to go into executive session to discuss the potential purchase and or sale of real property uh, we're gonna do a roll call vote please mr. Powell 
Uh, hang on. I would also like to invite the Economic Development Director and the President of the CIC into the meeting. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Uh, Mr. Bronner. Yes. Mr. Bishop. Yes. Mr. Boehner. Yes. Mr. Tommen. Yes. Mrs. Kroger. Yes. Mrs. Edichico. Yes. Seven yes. We are uh, in executive session. We'll meet in that room there.
I need a motion to return from executive session. I make a motion that we return from executive session. Second. Second. Ooh, this time I heard Mrs. Kroger. All right. So a motion by Mr. Powell, second by Mrs. Kroger to return from executive session. Roll call, please. Mr. Powell. Yes. Mr. Bronner. Yes. Mr. Bishop. Yes. Mr. Boehner. Yes. Mr. Tommen. Yes. Mrs. Kroger. Yes. Mrs. Edichico. Yes. Seven yes. So the motion carries. We are returned from executive session at 916. Thank you. Okay, moving on to guest and administrative official reports. Uh, mayor's report, mayor's not here. Patrick, do you have one for? Uh, it's combined. It's combined, go ahead, all right. Should go ahead. So you're up next, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, first, I wanna start off with condolences to the family of Michelle Nash. Uh, Michelle Nash, our long-term mayor's court clerk. Uh, she lost her father and longtime resident, resident Al Croft. So condolences to her and her family. Uh, on the other side, congratulations to um, assist, now Assistant uh, Fire Chief Ryan Androne and Lieutenant Tyler Stroll on their promotions within the fire department. Um, we congratulate them and I know they're gonna do a great job. And also um, thank you to um, Assistant Chief Gallo on his retirement. Uh, we we want to thank uh, the Ladies Auxiliary. Um, they had a Monte Carlo night last Saturday night, um, and, and all the proceeds from this goes to help fund the 4th of July fireworks. So I want to thank them. They have a very dedicated group. This is the same group that puts on the, um, they, they've spearheaded the Taste of Reading that occurs in August, I believe. And I know we have a date, but it should be in the newsletter. So. I don't know that date off the top of my head. Uh, Third Street restoration uh, began today up there. Been a long time, been a long time coming. I know all the residents up there will be happy once to get that completed because that road is it's torn up. Um, so they need to do a few more curb spots and uh, some full depth repairs. But they're getting started on that uh, today. So residents up there will have noticed that. Um, MSD's project is ongoing. They're on Reading Road. One major thing, and I know I've already received a few calls. Um, uh, nobody, nobody here. Oh, well, two people. Um, but I, they didn't call me, but um, I know the people who live on Eagle View and Gall Terrace are concerned because you know, um, everybody within a certain um, radius of the project received a, a letter and it, it mentioned uh, Gall Terrace being closed for about a week. So people are obviously concerned because it's going to detour them down um, Gorman and then north. Um, so I did verify and make sure with um, MSD's project manager, you, we can't put a temporary signal there. You have the, the railroad crossing right there. So having a temporary signal is impossible, but they're going to have somebody there that will actually be physically there directing traffic because otherwise that would be I don't know how people wouldn't be able to get out of there very easily. So there will be somebody there um, at North Street when they're, that portion of Gall Terrace is closed. Um, I'm going to say these, but my colleague to the left might repeat them, but the Easter egg hunt is this weekend. Um, it's going to be in, in the grass area of the island down at the Hayfield Fieldhouse parking lot area. If it's raining, bad weather, they will go inside. I know it said it's normally over by the pool, but um, they're MSD is still restoring that whole area from uh, the project, so it's going to be over there. But everybody will park in this. I think we're going to mark off parking places around there, but um, that's this Saturday. 
um, at 10 a.m. And I do know if people are wondering, they they have tiered by age groups. So you don't have, you know, 14-year-olds competing with five-year-olds for uh, eggs because we all know how that might turn out. <laughs> um, pool sign-ups start next month for the first three Saturdays in May from 10 to noon at the Fieldhouse. So once again, if you want to be a member of our pool, it's a real good deal. First three Saturdays in May, you can sign up from 10 to noon at the Fieldhouse. Cleanup Reading Day will be April 22nd from 10 to noon. If you want to take part in organized cleanup, you can either meet at 10 o'clock at the small shelter at Koenig Park or at St. Peter and Paul Cemetery. Um, we'll have organized cleanup, but if there are neighborhoods that want to clean up, our public works guys will be out and about picking up garbage bags for any neighborhoods that clean up. If you have any garbage or large things that you want to bring to the pu public works garage, I believe they'll be open I from about 9 to 2, you can bring anything down there. And I believe they're also going to have, um, again, a, um, a dumpster strictly for um, tires. So that's April 22nd from 10 to noon, clean up Reading Day. Um, last week, uh, signed uh, the, the SORTIT Transit Infrastructure Fund grant. That's the grant that's going to pay for half of the paving of uh, Columbia Road from Reading Road to our boundary with Lachlan. That's 50% grant. Um, those funds are from, if you recall, when there was a vote in Hamilton County to reduce or to increase the sales tax. Um, it coincided with Cincinnati dropping their uh, income tax within the city. So part of those funds are now you know, countywide for some of those funds, and we applied for that. And um, we are in the process of applying for the next round, which is due at the end of May. Um, the projects have to be within a vicinity of um, Metro's route, so I mean it, it, you, you can't put some you can't apply for something up on the hilltop, et cetera. So three projects that we're looking at, and our engineers will also look at that and, and kind of evaluate condition and, and as far as getting those grants. But um, three that we're looking at are Landy Lane, which is um, toward the north end. Uh, Kaler Avenue between Jefferson and um, Reading Road, and um, and we're looking at kind of combining them into one project because they're so small. And she thinks there'll be a, a little out Roth Anna um, as well. So those are three that are adjacent, you know, to uh, Metro's route that we're looking at applying for the next round, which is due at the end of May. Um, so um, those are good. Um, our police department. Um, did assist a Springfield Township. Um, they um, they lost one of their officers last week, and they put out a um, call to cup, you know, to, to post some coverages. And our guys are covering those, you know, as um, manpower, you know, exists. Um, if we had, you know, more than our minimum, you know, we're, we we signed up, you know, cover several shifts over there, as did lots of jurisdictions. Um, within Hamilton County. Uh, the ordinance for tonight, um, I mentioned, I, I talked to the uh, finance chief, finance chair. Um, it does not need to be passed tonight. Um, just whenever we order it, then we'll be, we can order the, the equipment. Um, but there is some work that our um, Matt Morgan will be doing, but he's off on, uh, he had surgery. So 
he can't even if we ordered it tomorrow you know he's off for a little bit of time but that project just so anyone watching it's going to bring internet there's never been internet at the field house or the pool so it's going to bring internet to both of those we'll be able to have cameras down there um and um and a remote lock access for the field house so you know there's lots of keys out there and people that rent it it's it's difficult so now if you know we have an outside rental someone rents it they can be given a code you know that can be used for you know th you know uh, it can be programmed um, so we'll be able to do all those things with that um, and that amount not to exceed 25,000 it's probably not going to get up to the 25,000 um, but I just wanted to give us some wiggle room in case the cameras or in case the uh, locking system came in a little bit higher um, and I think that's all I had for my report. Okay. Uh, I had a first signal from uh, Mr. Powell. Do you have a, a question on the resurfacing? I, I believe I saw where they have milled 3rd Street pretty much up to Benson. Are they going to actually cross Benson yes. or the pipeline? Yep. They are. Yes, okay. they will. I have two quick questions. One of them is probably a dumb question that I already know the answer to, but uh, part of the MSD project that does include um, like repaving what they're yes. tearing up on Reading Road and the part around the stadium that's correct. Okay. Yeah, uh, I had to correct them because uh, they initially were like, uh, were kind of balking at curb to curb. And I said, I reminded them like that it was you know Duke didn't. Yeah. That he remembered going back and say, oh yeah, because they were. This is. Get in my rant again. There's between public and public uh, jobs and private. He, he remembered that MSD was supposed to have been in and there before Duke. So yeah. Duke has been done with that job for over a year now. And <clears throat> so it just tells you the difference of speed and public and private. Right. But And then my other question is um, like the remote entrance on the field house and everything is great. I was just wondering if there's any um, talk of having one added to City Hall for after hours. Uh, what we would probably do, we'll have to check with Chief Owens first. Yeah, I don't know if he wants people coming through there because we have we already have one right outside. Right. Um, so I'll, I'll he's probably going to be texting me yeah. while I'm saying he this. He just spoke to us about it. Yeah, he, he has said we something. Have committee meetings and yeah. As, lo as long as he wouldn't have an issue with you guys going through their door, that would be the most feasible way is to give because I mean I have a code um, so. I'll talk to him, and if he's okay with it, okay. um, that would be e easier than me calling him, reminding him, like, hey, can you guys unlock the door? Right. Kind of the only issue I would have with that is when we're having a committee meeting, it's supposed to be a public meeting. Right. Well, so well, we you guys could unlock the door then. Right. Okay, okay. You, if, if you don't know how to unlock the door, I'll show you. I don't okay. want to say it publicly. <laughs> no, no, no. I know. I, know. <laughs> I think the guy. It would be incumbent upon you to unlock the door then. Okay. Mr. Bishop. Uh, yeah, with regard to the ordinance uh, at Haven Fieldhouse, um, will that internet access also extend to the pool area? Yes. Actually, the internet, the way that it worked out is it's actually going to go into the pool is where the internet, like all the drops and the, gotcha. and the equipment are. And, and it works well because there's a fan in there for the summer. And then there is actually insulation in there in the winter because you don't want to get the extreme heats for that equipment. So it's actually going to go into the pool. Mr. Banner. 
Patrick, do you know when the uh, Furman Road project is supposed to start? Yeah, uh, someone asked that. I mean, I, I thought I was clear. We're, we have MRF funds, but we're leveraging those and applying for skip funds as well. Okay, so, so there's no start date for that because we're trying to get other funds to combine that with the MRF. I'm just trying to make sure it didn't happen here. So, well, well, no, but I will tell you, I think I mentioned that, you know, we were close on Maple Drive um, for the skip funding from the last, for the round from the end of last year. We were like the first project under the cutoff. And it's about a $1.3, $1.4 million total project. It includes upsizing the water main. Um, initially, there was only about $120,000 of grant. So we applied for about 700,000 grant, 700,000, 0% loan. So after they awarded all projects, there was only 100,000 left in, um, in grant funds for us. Since that, it's got now gotten to, uh, I forget the number, but we're only about 140 or 50,000 short of the grant amount. And there still might be some monies turned in, but even if we don't get that, we would have the ability to offset that and take the full amount, the full difference in the loan. And I would recommend council to do that, um, but we're gonna wait until we see if they get, if more gets turned back in. But that would be, a, on top, a, it's also a good project and for future economic development. And what this means is um, there is no water up on the Hill Street property. Um, so getting water there in the future, that, you know, that's a, could be a costly thing. So with us upsizing the water main and, and John Vance and I talked, we'll probably look at, at minimum it would be eight inches, but we might do a 12 inch. Um, and that could, you know, it would go all the way down to the dead end cul-de-sac of, of Maple. But in the future, that could, you know, an extension with, with easements or right away could easily go back to, to the Hill Street property. So it has some secondary benefits other than just, you know, a road project in itself. You know, future water getting there, you know, that's a big thing for future development up there. Any other questions for Mr. Ross? All right. Seeing none, moving on, Law Director. Thank you. I don't have a report tonight, Mr. Dunn. Any questions for the law director? I have one. Sure. What, what can you tell us about the Roth settlement? There was no settlement. Or whatever happened? Well, what happened was, is the court ordered us to pay. Um, other than that, I don't know how the check was cut. I don't know what fund it was appropriated out of. All I was reporting on was the close of the litigation. Do you know the amount? Uh, not off the top of my head, but it was... I can't, I can't say reliably. Okay. Moving on, Treasurer Mrs. Owens. Thank you, Mr. President. I do have a report. I have numbers for March and year to date. The total income tax collected in March was $699,095. The breakdown of this is $121,019 in individual taxes, $10,630 in business net profits, taxes and 477,447 in payroll withholding. The total collected for March 2022 was 775,881. 2023 is 10% behind March of 2022. The total income tax collected in 2023 so far um, was 2,082,448. 
The breakdown of this is 281,585 in individual income taxes, 139,809 in business net profits tax, and $1,661,054 in payroll withholding tax collected. The total collected up to March in 2022 was 2096752 As of now, we are running less than 1% behind 2022. And again this month, I just would like to say thank you to all of our residents um, who have filed their tax, um, 2022 tax returns already. And a reminder to everyone else, tax returns and first quarter estimated payments are due April 18th. I am pretty sure that last month I said the 17th, so you actually have an extra day to file your taxes. Um, we have lots of options for filing. You can file electronically on our website. You can download a paper return from our website, or you can go to the office and Michelle, Shannon, or Diane will prepare your return for you. Just bring your tax documents and a copy of your federal tax return. That is all I have. Question. Thank you. Yes. Can they drop W-2s in the water box also? Just W-2s? Uh, like to go to come to the tax department for you all to prepare them? No, uh, no, I believe if you want need to come out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can drop the W-2 attached to your tax return in that. Um, but no, they, you need to come in and they'll okay. actually prepare it for you. I'll call the bar then. Okay. Any other questions? And also the federal tax return. Okay. Is it advised that they make an appointment? No. Or just come in? Just, yeah. Um, 830 to 430. I'd recommend doing it online if possible. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm being, I'm not joking. Sure. Yeah. We paid for it and you can file your local taxes online. Save time. Is the paper I, one PDF fillable? No. no, it is not PDF fillable. Used to be. It's not can I suggest that? Um, Sure. I I, <laughs> I, I, I actually um, have talked to Michelle and Shannon about that, and Michelle didn't anyway. It, it, yeah, I, yeah, Brenda, it was it was PDF fillable for until about eight or nine years ago, and after that, uh, I don't know what what happened. Something but it broke. Stopped. And, I, uh, I was told that there were issues with people thinking that somehow because they were filling it out that they were that they were. Um, be. Also sending it in, so I believe it was taken down for that reason. Yeah. Because I actually created a fillable form myself, <laughs> not and and said, "Hey, I made this. You know, do you want to use this?" And they were like, "Nope." So this was this was years ago. This was before I was was treasurer. Yeah, I, 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 but I, I think there was some confusion with the fillable form. Yeah, and that's was, why they stopped. It was probably some somewhere around two thousand eight or two thousand nine when they stopped using them. Yeah, I, I believe there was a reason, but. Anything else? Anything else for Mrs. Owens? All right. Moving on. Auditor's report. Mrs. Smith is not here. Carla, do you have a report? Okay. All righty. Moving on to Council Committee reports. Finance Chairman, Mr. Bronner. Mr. President, I have no report this evening. Moving on. Utilities, lands, and buildings. Mr. Bishop. Thank you, Mr. President. I uh, just wanted to report uh, the, the statistics provided by uh, uh, ESP Media. Our last meeting uh, we had uh, 28 live unique viewers uh, 96 impre total impressions um, 101 archive viewers on YouTube and 178 listeners on the 16 podcast platforms 
Very nice. Any questions for Mr. Bishop? All right, moving on, zoning, planning, and environment, Mr. Powell. Thank you, Mr. President. I had a citizen referred to me to look into an issue about light pollution from a neighboring property in a residential area. I suggest that this matter be put into my committee and also into the Laws and Contracts Committee. I had a, cons a constituent reach out to me to get an idea if a certain type of housing would be allowed on several of his properties. Uh, the same constituent also reached out about a possible way to reduce truck traffic in Reading. I'm currently gathering information on the matter to see if it is something that could possibly be pursued. That is that is it. Very good. So you had you wanted to put something into your committee and also in laws and contracts, right? Yes, looking into the issue of light pollution uh, in residential areas from one neighbor to the other. Okay. So. So moved. Everybody, so I got a, a motion by Mr. Boehner to do that. I'll second. Second by Mrs. Kroger. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? I did it again. I'm sorry. <laughs> Mrs. I'll wear a name tag next time. <laughs> Switch seats. Then I'll get you right. <laughs> Criminy. You'd think the beehive was bad enough with four of them. <laughs> right. Just two of you and I can't get them straight. Said the guy with a four-letter last name and nobody can pronounce it. <laughs> all right. Anyway, moving on. Have I been wrong all these years? No, you got it right. Others don't. <laughs> All right, laws and contracts. Mrs. Edichico, not Thank Kroger. You. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, I have to, I, I talked to Linda before the meeting, so I had to update my report here. So um, I do have some updates on Dora that I wanted to go over. Linda is assisting the Bridal District Committee with getting everything completed for the Dora now. Um, I know they had. They were moving along with it, but um, the the former Reading Bridal District president had been called up for the reserves, and so that kind of put a, a little hitch in the wagon there for it. So um, she's kind of picking up to get the application completed, and we are moving right along. The hope is to have it in place by the Fall in Love Bridal Show, which is September 14th, and uh, the Bridal District is really hoping that that is in place. Um, so Linda gave me some dates tonight. She's hoping to have the back, and this is all tentative. She's hoping to have the application to Bo by May 16th, and then the mayor will file the application. Um, we will advertise and do the public notice on May 22nd and May 29th. That will go into, um, that's not there. Um, it's, um, I can't remember the section of the paper it'll go into, but. Um, we will also have it on the city website and on the Facebook page. Um, the public hearing, which is the council meeting, will be June 6th. And then the legislation is hoping to be presented by July 11th. We don't necessarily have to present it on an emergency clause, but it was recommended because it will still have to go to the state for the state to sign off and that will allow the time for the state to do so if it is passed. Um, and then again to have it in place by the Fall in Love show. And um, just a reminder that this is a joint initiative with uh, my committee, the Laws and Contracts Committee, um, the city, and with the uh, Reading Bridal District. And other than that, I would like to schedule a committee meeting for Wednesday, April 12th at 6.30 p.m. here in Council Chambers. Uh, we do have a lot to discuss, including the DORA, 
um, property maintenance, and then as Mr. Powell mentioned, the light pollution. Um, we've both been looking up some information on that, so we'd like to discuss that then. It's April 12th at 6.30? Yes. All right, right here. Mm -hmm. And that is all I have for tonight. Thank you. Any questions for Mrs. Edichica? All right, public health and safety. Now, Mrs. Kroger. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, the police department run count for March. Uh, calls of service were 916. Auto accidents, there were 29. Booking of original charges was 110, and total criminal charges was 153. Total citations was 135. Uh, the fire department's runs for March were EMS responses, 210 fire responses, 49 for a total of 259. Um, again, as Mr. Ross had stated before, I'd like to congratulate Ryan Androne, who was promoted to assistant chief, and to Tyler Stroll, who was promoted to lieutenant. In the month of March, the police department had several OVIs, auto accidents, several traffic stops that also resulted in citations for marijuana, domestic violence, criminal damaging at Observatory Park, and the suspect charged with throwing rocks at passing cars, and that was on the south end of Reading. Uh, the theft from CVS and UDF, and then the department completed several hours of extra patrols in the south end of Reading Road due to ongoing issues. And also the next drug take back is scheduled for April 22nd. That is all I And have. where is that take back? I believe it's here, but I'm not, I don't know that for sure. And actually I do have one more thing. So I have, I, I emailed Chief Owens about a train derailment plan. I'm waiting to get that back. But I also emailed Lachlan's fire chief, who is also working on a plan for me because we share that those tracks it, on Benson Street and Wyoming Avenue. Mm -hmm. um, so I reached out to him also to see what their plan was. Might need to be a coordinated plan between the two. Yes, Mrs. Chico. Um, and I can say the fire chief in Lachlan has had some of the guys sitting there writing down the placards just to kind of get a good idea of what's rolling through. Do they have a good idea now? They're put, that's, as Shelly said, they're putting it all together. Okay. I'd love to see the data. It'd be very interesting. I think they're still collecting it. Yeah. I, they wanted to get a good time range, so. Yeah, he, he told me he would get it to me as soon as he had it. Very good. Any other questions for Mrs. Kroger? And the drug take back is at the police department. At the police department, okay. Thank you. You're welcome. You probably just got a text, didn't you? <laughs> Gotta keep me on my toes. What are they taking back? Um, my guess is all prescription drugs, like expired prescription drugs, or, or ones that you don't need anymore. So we're not talking about loose meth or anything like that. <laughs> I mean, I don't think anybody would want to give that up, but if they do, they would take probably it. take it. That day coincides They'll with the cleanup Reading Day, also the 22nd. Is that correct? <clears throat> um, I'm not. Yes, I would assume so. I'm not sure of the, the time for that. It's probably all day. Medication you would. Mark the Rogaine? Yeah. Rogaine. Yeah, yeah, Rogaine and all that. I would, I would also say it's important to bring back anything expired Tylenol, <laughs> things like that as well. Uh, don't dump them down the toilet. Um, right. Pollutes the water system. So any, any, any drugs, not just uh, prescription drugs. All righty. Moving on. Service, Mr. Boehner. Uh, in the interest of time, I'll have a, uh, my stuff together next me meeting. And I do have... Uh, some information about what we can and cannot do as far as trains do. Very good. And Justin, hold on. 
No liquids or needles for the drug take back. Ooh, very interesting. So is there, do we have maybe a Sharps deposit somewhere? I would, I mean, I would assume that, she's like, right? Oh. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Incoming information. Incoming, all right. <laughs> Somebody's watching. <laughs> feeling the pressure now no um i would assume that on on the medic unit they would have a sharps disposal but like i said it was told no um no no sharps okay <laughs> so that's important because you got people with insulin right injected. right okay some of those old they need to be disposed of somehow and we probably need to figure out how to do that safely safely yes not just yeah right i've seen other and that's bad all right Recreation, Mr. Thomas. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, Mr. Ross covered three quarters of, of my report, but a little repetition never hurt. So uh, Easter egg hunt will be this Saturday, April 8th, April 8th at the Fieldhouse at 10 a.m. Cleanup Reading Day will be April 22nd. If you want a pool pass, sign-ups will be the first three Saturdays in May. That's May 6th, 13th, and 20th from 10 to noon at the Fieldhouse. Opening day for the pool is scheduled for Saturday, June 3rd. And lastly, a Reading Hilltop Basketball Court Restoration Project will be hosting a cornhole tournament and a euchre tournament in order to raise funds. Uh, the event will be on Saturday, May 6th at the UAW Local 683 in Evendale, across the street from Sports Plus. Registration begins at 6 p.m. It should be a great time. Uh, please call Regina Richmond if you have any questions or would like to help out. You can reach her at 254-1730. And I saw today they got a very nice contribution from Mike Kestrusi, yeah. Ford over in Milford. So. Awesome. And th there will be other games and activities beyond those two tournaments. So, you know, if you're not interested in the tournaments, there still would be plenty for, for entertainment. Anything else for Mr. Tommen? Okay, seeing none. Other business. Do we have any other business? Did we skip Mr. Boehner? Did we? No, no he's going to nope. give it next. Okay. He's, he's pushing off. I didn't catch that part. Sorry. All right, legislative session. We have no resolutions. We have one ordinance. An ordinance authorizing the safety service director to purchase equipment and labor to install cameras, wireless internet, and new keyless entry system for the Hayfee Fieldhouse, pool, and parking lot area for an amount not to exceed 25000 and declaring an emergency. Okay, so a reminder, it doesn't need to be passed right now today. I always recommend carrying it over if you can. That way people got a chance to, to read things. And Nope. would like to make a quick adjustment to my report. Um, I was just told that the night that I'm having my committee meeting, uh, the fire department is having training in here, so my committee meeting will be in the caucus room. Still at 6.30, same day. Have you been, been in there lately? Yes. Okay. We'll make it work. Okay. Motion to adjourn. Bring bean bags. <laughs> uh, we have a motion to adjourn by Mr. Boehner. Second. Second. Ooh, we got a tie there. I'll throw that one to Mr. Tommen. Uh, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? All right, that's it. Everybody have a good night. We're adjourned.